in our in our first session with her, we got her able to to wiggle some toes for the first time in in 25 years. You know, she ended up she was meeting her family at a restaurant over the holidays, and several had come in from out of town, hadn't seen her in a year or two, and and then she walked in on a walker, and the people in her family are looking like, what are like I can't believe my eyes, and they're screaming and they're crying, and you know, there's just this incredible thing. So that is Garrett Salpeter. And he is the creator of the newbie and the device that was used to help that woman go from 25 years paralyzed from the waist down to wiggling her toes to walking into a restaurant to meet with her family on a walker. The device is called the newbie and it is engineered by Garrett himself. He's the creator of it. And it uses direct current signals to stimulate either injured or poorly working muscles. You may or may not be familiar with like a stim device at a PT clinic if you've ever recovered from an injury. And this is sort of similar to that, but instead of pulsing like a stim device, it uses a consistent direct current, it uses DC. And this is unlike anything you've ever seen before. It's FDA cleared and uh, it's incredible. You know, especially for people who are recovering from debilitating injuries, but also for people who are uh, looking to increase their level of performance to build muscle, to stimulate in a directed way. If you've got an injured shoulder and you still want to work out and you want to work out your lower half, this is how kind of you can think of this device being used. It's used by current and uh, retired athletes, NFL players, MLB players, uh, pretty incredible. Uh, I was really excited to talk to Garrett because uh, this stuff is amazing and, and uh, I wanted to dive deeper because I'm fascinated by it. I think you're going to get a lot out of it too. Enjoy this episode with Garrett Salpeter. If you want to learn more information about what I do as a coach or as a performance coach, as a consultant, please go to seanmccormick.com. That's S-E-A-N, seanmccormick.com. Get some sweet discounts. It's almost Christmas time. Go get some sweet discounts at seanmccormick.com forward slash products. Tons of great stuff. CBD, BFR bands, X3 bar, blue blocking glasses, tons of amazing stuff. So again, seanmccormick.com forward slash products if you want to pick up something for yourself for the holidays or for a loved one. Also, you know, we've been, I've been talking about this for months and months and months, you know, over a year, and we are so close to releasing Hail, a custom health optimization platform, a virtual health assistant in your pocket where you can curate exactly the products, services, and resources that are interesting to you better than Google uh, coming soon. It's coming in February. It's going to be good. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to change the game. Uh, I know you're going to love it. I'm so thankful for you continuing to come back and listen to each of these episodes wherever you are in the world. Thank you for listening. I, I appreciate you. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Garrett Salpeter from NewFit. Welcome, everyone, to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. If you could describe the newbie and new fit to a third grader so that they could understand it, how would you characterize it? Oh, that's a good that's a good question. So I would say that the that new fit helps people recover faster when they're hurt or if they've had surgery or if they're in pain helps them helps them feel better and it can also help them learn to use their muscles better so depending on how inquisitive the third grader is you know I might I might go into some of the nuances of the nervous system or not even nuances some of the kind of high level features of the nervous system like how it's the control system of the body and how our muscles our muscles don't really work on their own. They, they do what they're told to do by these electrical signals that are sent through the nervous system. And what we're trying to do is, is you know, as if, if the body were a computer, we're trying to go in there and change the electrical signals inside so that everything works better. We, we work a lot with the healing process. We work, hopefully it's a third grader who's, you know, a yeah. very modern third grader who knows about technology, right? <laughs> yeah. Probably 
already on like social media or whatever, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so, uh, so, uh, you know, I've talked to them about how we're trying to go in there and work on that, on the, the electrical signals or like the software, because that helps optimize everything, including the healing process, pain, movement, but also health and, and overall vitality. All right. Yeah, that was a good one. That's good. Uh, so how does, you know, I can't, I can't help, but, 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 you know, watch the videos and do the, do the reading from the website and get a, you know, try to wrap my brain around, around this, this device and this technology and its application. And I can't help but think about sort of uh, traditional STEM techniques used in PT that I experienced through college injuries and, uh, and so forth, um, playing soccer in college, you know, you set up the stem after practice or whatever. How, how is this, how is this different than that sort of classic stem device that some of us crazy CrossFitter go-getters are, uh, are familiar with? That is probably one of the most common misconceptions around this is, you know, people will see the device, which if you're, if you're watching this, if you're listening, you can't see, but if you're watching this, that's, that's the, the newbie behind me for neurobioelectric stimulator. And the biggest difference to your question is the difference between alternating current and direct current. And I think that, I think the conversation really has to start there because virtually all of the devices that you see in the physical therapy clinics and the athletic training rooms, like when you were playing college soccer, all of those are going to be alternating current. And it's because of the history of direct current, which is, which is interesting. There were a lot of known benefits to direct current. It could have some unique effects on the nervous system. It could help with tissue healing, but there was always historically like, like 30, 40, 50 years ago, when some of the earlier devices were coming out, there was a very important issue with direct current. And that is that as, as the, when you have positive and negative electrodes, you get ion accumulation. So the positive ions are going to accumulate around the negative electrode. And over time, that accumulation can create stinging, burning, heat dissipation, and it can actually leave burn marks on the skin. And that is, of course, a problem. That's something we didn't don't want to see happen with, with patients, with athletes, with anybody. And so direct current literally just got thrown out. It got cast aside. And in its place came alternating current. And that's because the signal goes back and forth, positive, negative, positive, negative. So you don't get any of that charge buildup or that accumulation. And it, it's very comfortable in the sense that it can pass right through the skin, doesn't have any of that stinging or burning. So alternating current came into favor, became the dominant type of current. And there are benefits with it, but there's also some limitations. And that's, that's why we are working to bring back direct current, direct current, because when you, when you use alternating current devices, when, if you have them at a lower level, you're just trying to create pulsing in the muscles and such like that, you know, there's some benefit there. It can increase blood flow in the area, but when you turn it up to a high enough level to really have these therapeutic effects and to really try to overload strategically the neuromuscular system to create adaptations, to create increased activation of muscles, or to really work on mobility and range of motion, to create any of these meaningful re-education effects, you run into this, this limitation with direct current, I'm sorry, with alternating current, what's most commonly used out there, whereas that signal volleys back and forth, it causes muscles to co-contract and fight against each other. And you end up getting this signal, like imagine if you were driving your car, hitting, your th hitting the throttle and the brake pedal mm -hmm. at the same time, you'd just literally be resisting your own movements. And that's the type of pattern that you instill or that you train into the body uh -huh. when you use these alternating current devices. So there's Yes, you can accomplish some things with them, but there's going to be a low ceiling and you run into these limitations when you're trying to, to get more precise and, and you know, substantial in what, you're, in what you're creating neurologically, these adaptations that you're trying to induce. So with direct current, we're able to, and the other unique wave properties of the, the waveform and such, we're able to reduce, actually eliminate the, the charge buildup so there's no skin discomfort. So we make it just as comfortable as alternating current and we're able to to by sending that signal it's only going in one direction instead of oscillating back and forth we bypass a lot of those protective muscular contractions and are able to send this direct signal directly into the nervous system and up to the brain so we can speak more directly to the nervous system and work more more meaningfully and more powerfully 
on changing neuromuscular patterns so that if you're in the athletic training room, instead of just relying on that machine to do the work for you, you're actually creating adaptations and learning to engage your muscles better, improve your movement patterns and learning to do a lot of this on your own so that you actually over time become less reliant on the device. As I look at some of the testimonials from, you know, Trent Dilfer and Bark, you know, Saquon Barkley and, and these, these current and former NFL players, you know, it's, it's the, uh, the, the athletes that are sort of looking outside of sort of conventional therapies that help these technologies like yours advance forward. Cause they're going to be willing to try new things. You know, I, uh, started and ran fl- uh, flotation tank centers. Um, and we would see NFL players come in. It's like, yeah, I'm willing to try this, you know, got a sore back want to try this. Um, so in, in, within that context, of of people trying something that uh, that's a little less conventional. What what's the what's the sort of promise that uh, that NewFit makes to someone who is looking for for recovery from injury? That's a, that's a great question because it really gets to well for many reasons. One of which is that it gets to that that kind of core issue of how can you introduce something new? How can you change paradigms within deeply entrenched fields like physical therapy or chiropractic, sports medicine, you know, these, these areas, uh, fitness and training, strength and conditioning, you know, how, how can these paradigms evolve and change over time? And a lot of times it does start with, as you said, the, the people who are either the elite, the best in the world who need to try new things because they, they, they're trying to eke out the last quarter of a percent to separate themselves from the rest of the pack. Or patients who have MS or spinal cord injuries or strokes for whom the traditional model just can't do very much and who are otherwise left behind. And, and for us, you know, in the same way, they get there you know, a diff- by a different avenue, but in the same way, they're eager and open to trying new things. So a lot of times it starts there. And for, for the person who you know, has more typical chronic pain, you know, has low back pain or just injured their shoulder or, you know, the, the kind of more typical orthopedic outpatient patient, the, I think the, the, really the avenue into this is try a session and experience it for yourself because there's, you know, there's a growing network of physical therapy clinics, chiropractic offices, other practices that have them. And a lot of times, you know, actually over 90% of the time, based on our statistics, people will go in and they'll try a session and, over, yeah, it's over 90% of the time, they'll notice tangible improvements in that first visit. So with, you know, you mentioned people like Trent Dilfer, like Saquon Barkley, these athletes, the reason that they've stuck with it is because they used it once and they noticed, Hey, there's something different here. You know, I've had all these other treatments throughout my career and this really moved the needle for me. And I noticed Mm -hmm. changes right away. So I'm motivated to want to continue. And that's usually, I think the biggest thing for, you know, in, in many areas of life is we, you know, we want to do the things that where we're good or where we get where either where we already have, have that, that skill set and ability or where we're seeing progress and, and we're motivated to want to continue. So when we see results like that, I think that really motivates people. So, you know, we have people all the time. We had a, a guy in our office uh, last exam Monday, so last week, you know, who, who um, you know, we came in and I was, I was walking by and he told me that, that with a session he was just doing with one of the people on our team, you know, he touched his toes for the first time since he was five years old and he's in his late forties. Hmm. You know, so, I mean, there's, there's, you know, cool stuff like that, or, um, you know, back on athletes, there's a football player. One of the stories I talk about in, in my book is the football player who five days before we saw him, we were there doing a demo at, at the university and, and he could only lift his arm about, you know, 30 degrees away from his side and he had pain and it was, you know, they thought it was going to be several more weeks for him to recover. And, we, we worked with him and we did this mapping process, scanned around with an electrode. So literally like scanned it around on his body and found where, where his brain and nervous system were guarding and protecting around that injury and in turn where, where they were impairing the healing process. And we found these two areas on different rotator cuff muscles of the shoulder and stimulated them. After a few minutes, he was up at horizontal. A few more minutes, he wow. had, his arm, had his arm up overhead. And he looked up and he said, what the beep <laughs> did, you, did you just do to me? And so, you know, an experience like that makes people want to continue. And, you know, just to close the loop on that for him, it wasn't about healing the ligaments. You know, he had a grade two to two and a half 
AC separation, so some partial tearing of the ligaments, those didn't heal in eight minutes of treatment. Yeah. What, what we did was reset and recalibrate and repattern and re-educate his neuromuscular system, his brain and his nervous system to recalibrate where they were protecting and guarding and stopping him from moving around that. We helped them see that even though there was damage, they were actually overreacting to it and that a more appropriate reaction was to allow him to move his arm hmm. more. And he ended up you know, returning to returning to uh, practice the next day, didn't, didn't miss any games when he thought he was going to miss three or four, but you know, cases like that, you know, not every, not everything is a grand slam home run in the first visit, but people do see, you know, these really tangible outcomes when you do this type of powerful neurological work. And ultimately I think that is what helps bridge that gap and motivates people to, to want to do more of it once they get that first experience. So Sometimes that's at a PT practice. Sometimes, you know, we see people at trade shows and they, you know, they come by and in a few minutes, you know, their little aches and pains they've had for a while, they feel better and they come back the next day and want more. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Yeah. The, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, I like what you said about, you know, it's, it's overprotecting that range of motion. If you can't lift your arm away from your waist more than 30 degrees, and the wiring is telling you is saying, Hey, we need to protect this isolate it. Don't let it move. But, but what really works is, is motion it needs to move. It needs to be able to have that full range of motion. Yeah. That's really fascinating. Uh, well now I'm curious about the process, right? Cause you just showed me with this little red, um, you know, cup thing sensor that you move that around the body and, and what, so walk us through that, that process of, um, uncovering those, those problem areas. And what are you actually looking for when you're moving that sensor around the body to figure out what, what area you need to treat? Well, what we're looking for is exactly where the brain and nervous system are imposing those protective patterns. So when we talk about that football player who, you know, in eight minutes of treatment was able to get his arm up overhead it's important to make the distinction, you know, part of the injury is, is tissue and structure and hardware. And then part of it is the software, you know, just like we were describing to our hypothetical third grader, right? <laughs> uh, part of it is the software and the, we can tell the degree to which the problem is, is a software problem. It will, you know, we'll know that based on how much improvement we get. If that, if that athlete, if it was a more significant tear and it was more of a structural problem, he would not have made nearly that much progress in the first visit. So, so through this, we were able to tell by addressing these neurological protective patterns, these, these governors, if you will, how the, how the brain governs and limits the performance and movement capacity of the body. Based on, based on how somebody responds, we can tell how much of it is hardware versus how much of it is software. So it's not like we're going to override these things and set someone up for injury. You know, I want to kind of clear, clear that up. There are protective mechanisms that are important. Uh, and, and that are relevant that, that are required in the body. What we're trying to do is find the ones where they're, where they're set excessively. So as we scan around, we're basically sending a signal telling the nervous system that, hey, this area is being loaded. Hey, we're using this muscle and we're, we're giving the, their, their body, really their brain, an opportunity to look at that and say, okay, if we were scanning you, you know, your brain would say, okay, that's just Sean's bicep doing its thing. That's okay. But when we get onto one of these muscles in your shoulder, it might say, oh my gosh, that's, that's threatening. That's, that's more than we're used to, or that's more than we're allowing it at this moment. And so it'll, it'll respond. It'll have this alarm response and it'll contract and it'll fight against it. And it'll feel to you probably like a trigger point, like a little bit uncomfortable. Hmm. So, so as we scan around, we're essentially looking for these, these trigger point type areas, and then we're going to, you're going to stimulate them and try to recalibrate them. So it's sort of like, it's sort of like they're, they're overreacting. One of my favorite descriptions of this is something that you know, perhaps some listeners can relate to is if you are, if you're thinking of, of public speaking, if you're going to go out and present, present, give a talk to somebody and your brain is, is making you afraid, like you are just frozen in fear. You are, you're, you're weak in the knees. You can't even think about doing it. You're so scared. That's your brain telling you, to, to stop. Don't do that because of the threat that you might be embarrassed. And if you're embarrassed and you go up there and look like a fool, you might get, get kicked out of the tribe, right? This is like caveman evolutionary days. And 
And so your brain can, can try to prevent you from going out and doing something that, that really isn't a true threat to survival, right? When you're going about public speaking. And just the same way, like this athlete, his brain was preventing him from lifting his arm up overhead or, or this other gentleman in the clinic was talking about, or his brain was, that we were talking about, his brain was preventing him from bending down and touching his toes. He could do it. He was just restricting himself from doing that. So wherever those, those hypersensitivities are, wherever that those overreactions are, as we scan around, we pick those up and then we try to desensitize them. We try, we actually present that input and then give the brain a chance to say, oh yeah, that's not so bad. Oh, we can't allow that. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, it kind of lifts it off. So if, you know, uh, if we're talking about a, a governor on a car, like if your car could go 150 miles an hour, but there's, it's set to only allow it to go 80 it's like taking off the governor to let it go 100, then 120, then then 150. So you're just you're not necessarily at this point what we're talking about. We're not necessarily adding any new capacity to to you or to the person we're working with. We're just trying to activate or, or tap into what's already there mm. in these in these early stages. Interesting. So how, what, what's the, what's the range of intensity of, or, or I guess maybe rather the sensitivity of that, that initial process where you're moving that sensor around to figure out where. So for example, let's say, you know, I worked out hard yesterday. I don't have any, I don't have an injury. I just worked out hard. And so, you know, my shoulder has lactic acid or, you know, something that's kind of, you know, it's a little stiff, a little sore, not, not injured, but just stiff or sore. Will that sensor pick up on that soreness? And, and is it up to the practitioner that's using the device to say, Oh, okay, well, that's just a little soreness from workout yesterday versus not, that's a torn rotator cuff. Like that's a, that's a defunct system. Like how, where's the fine line in there? That's a, that's a really good question. And that's something that we deal with. And, you know, that, you know, is a very real question that people ask on a daily basis when we're working with people in the clinic or people are seeing, you know, other practitioners around the country, the, the findings, what we're picking up on this mapping process has to do with the severity of that protective reaction. So, so most commonly it's a real response to either to a recent injury or a compensation pattern, like a response to an old injury that lingers on after it's healed, where the brain is still protecting, even though, even though the tendon or ligament or muscle or disc has, has healed, a lot of times it is that sort of thing, or just a deep, more deeply ingrained bad habit. So it's usually something more uh, serious or more long lasting, more deeply seated than, than transient muscle soreness. Um, but occasionally, you know, that, that might factor in. So it's worth talking, you know, we definitely would talk to somebody about that and, and use some of that clinical decision-making experience to, to help sift through. Uh, usually though, what shows up is a little more, a little deeper than, than just those kind of temporary uh, soreness or other, other uh, sensations related to previous training. Hmm. So does this work because we're talking about the central nervous system, right? That's, that's central to, sorry, had to, <laughs> to, to the, to the, to the way that the device works. So then if we're, if we're talking about the central nervous system and not necessarily like, you know, the firing of a muscle or, or bone. So this, this can work not just for muscles, but this can work for back injuries. Can this work for, you know, tendons? Does this, does it, does it not really matter what sort of tissues were, were or, or, or bones that we're talking about? Is it, is it all linked into the CNS? Ultimately, yes. Um, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, of course we want to clear whatever we're doing. Like if someone, if someone has a broken bone or a torn tendon or ligament or something like that, you know, we want to make sure they're, they're casted or if, if they need, you know, if they need surgery to reattach a tendon, then we want to make sure they're going to get that surgery. I mean, not all that, all the rules of physiology still apply. Um, but it's, it's interesting that when we, when we scan around on the body, oft, uh, sometimes we'll find spots on areas that, that don't have much muscle. Sometimes we'll find a spot on a kneecap or, you know, an attachment on, on the foot or shin or something like that. And so that definitely is a, a very clear example of, you know, I think what you're, what you're talking about here, where it's, it's about input 
into the body. Sometimes, a lot of times that's from muscles, but it can also be from connective tissues, from joint receptors. You know, we have the, the, the nervous system sensors in the body. There's such a high concentration of them in the joints. And so sometimes we find issues on joints and yes, we're not thinking as much about as much about specific muscles, although you know we talk about them to help build a narrative and try to understand, but we're not thinking about that as much as, as we're thinking these are areas where, where there's guarding and protecting where the brain and nervous system are trying to limit loading. So you know, we found something in the right leg, that could mean that this person is gonna be limping. They're gonna be trying to carry more weight on their left leg and try and get off that right leg as much as they can, for example. So, it, we want to we want to give them the ability to you know as much as their structure will allow to change that pattern and get back over onto the right leg. So that could mean we're stimulating tendons, ligaments, joint receptors, muscles, you know, bones. It could be you know like if we're on a on a kneecap or something like that around the shin. I mean, those are spots that we do find from time to time, and they're all relevant. Hmm. So once you've once you've isolated or identified the area that's being, you know, that the, what the wiring is all wonky and it needs to be treated. Um, walk, walk us through the, the, the process of, of then treating it. Um, you know, I'm just trying to wrap my brain on like, what does it feel like? You know, what, what's the sensation that, that you get? Um, does it, does it activate it so that you're conscious of it and so that it's either flexed or, or, um, you know, I guess just activated in, in a certain way. What, what's then the process of, of reprogramming that, uh, that electrical response to bring healing and range of motion and all that stuff. How does that work? The most common experience is that we'll turn it up on people and, you know, at, at stages along the way, it feels like some of the similar electrical buzzing that you may have experienced when you were in the college training room playing soccer uh, or you know, being treated after soccer. And, um, and then we'll turn it up, we'll turn it up higher to the point where it feels like it's locking up your muscles. Mm. But this really interesting things happen, thing happens that because it's direct current, it's not actually causing you to contract, you're fighting against it. And as you move through it, you'll see that you're able to relax. So it's, it's actually training this this ability to to relax under duress or relax in the face of challenge it's huh. like you know this sort of like this this enigma about how do you stay cool under pressure if you're you know if you're if you're a golfer and you're you have a big putt to win a tournament on the 18th hole how do you stay calm and loose instead of get all tense and and shank your putt to the side or if you're a basketball player and you're, you're getting ready for a free throw in overtime to win the game, how do you stay calm and, and hit the right shooting stroke instead of allow that tension to derail you and so you miss the shot? So well, it's the, that sort of thing. It's that sort of balance within the nervous system where you're learning to, to relax and do the, right, do the right movement, even in the face of all of this, this stress or challenge or input. And that's part of how we create adaptations to improve movement and also just resilience generally. So there is this kind of, you know, additional layer to it that I really like about learning to handle stress and challenge, which I, you know, I think extrapolates to other areas, but that, that is really the experience where it feels like it feels like it kind of resists you. And then the more you can relax into it, the more, the more readily you can work through that and, and beat the machine, so to speak, hmm. where, you, where you're able to move through it. And then the goal is to be able to complete your movement, whether it's a basic squat or lunge or just lifting your arm overhead, or if it's, if you're a pitcher or a golfer and you're trying to complete your swing or complete your, your throwing motion, you know, you actually try and do that with the machine on and try to work mm. up to being able to do it with the machine at higher and higher levels. So you can do, so you can still regardless of what input you're experiencing, you can still create the right efficient and effective movement output. Hmm. Yeah, that, that was going to be one of my, my next questions is, you know, for those motions that are sport specific, or maybe even something as simply as, as like getting up out of a chair, you know, someone has, um, you know, injuries that, that make that challenging, then you pray, then you just answered, you practice that motion, you actually do that motion while the newbie is on to, to be able to work through that motion without that sort of, 
you know, misfiring. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. Huh? Yeah. That's a, and that's a great way to describe it. What you said, try to work through it without that misfiring or like if you normally would compensate instead of going right here, if you normally would go around that area, then you, you kind of can train yourself faster to go in that right. You know, like if it's a, a train track, you can teach yourself more quickly to stay on track. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Uh, so in, in addition to, um, in addition to injury recovery, you know, there's also the sort of next level of, of, of fitness, right. And, um, how, how, in addition to injury recovery, post-surgery recovery and so forth, how, how can this be applied for the elite to, if, if they're already an eight out of a 10, you know, they don't have, they don't have injuries. They're maybe a nine out of a 10. How do you take, how do you use the same principles and where do you go with that level of treatment to enhance, uh, like exercise and performance preparation? So there's a few different use cases there. One is definitely someone who's going along that, that return to play progression, you know, like, let's say, let's say you were, let's say you were still playing soccer, Sean, and you had a, a low back injury, you had something strain or, or, you know, a little disc injury in your low, lumbar spine, and you were recovering, and you were ready to start training again, and you wanted to really get a strength training session on your legs. But because you're coming off a back injury, you don't want to, you know, squat heavy or deadlift really heavy. And yet you still want that, that stimulus to really increase muscle recruitment in your lower body. So one thing you could do is you could put the, put the machine on, put the electrodes on, you know, your glutes, quads, hamstrings, and change the setting so that we're actually here. We're going to, we're going to change the setting a little different from rehab. We're going to dial it to where we're going to create more contraction. And, you know, sort of like we talked about, like a more traditional electrical stimulation device, but without that co-contraction between sides, but we're going to create more of that contraction directed in the muscles that we're trying to stimulate and not, not the opposite, not that, but uh, and, and allow you to get as much muscle recruitment as if you were lifting really heavy weights, but without having to put that, that heavy barbell on your back, without the risks of injury, without the extra strain or load on your joints. And you can get virtually all of the benefits, but without some of the, without much of the downside risk, the risk of injury associated with that. So that's one use case. And then there's also the, you know, the, the, kind of professional individual, uh, you know, professional in other areas, not in sports that who's, who's, you know, got a busy life, wants to train, but can't take the time to do everything that you need to do to do all the movement prep and the cardio and the strength training and, you know, and all that. So being able to, to, you know, you do a 30 minute session on the machine to get, to be able to simultaneously work on range of motion and flexibility training and, to get that strength training and to be able to compress it all quickly to where you get some cardiovascular benefit as well. Cause you're, you're not getting, having to take as long of breaks and do all that. So it's really, uh, you know, the kind of busy executive or hard charging a personality schedule type person who, who wants to get, you know, be able to get their fitness done and, and have an effective workout, but in less time. So some of it's about some of it's, you know, more time efficient. Some of it's just about really being able to, be targeted, you know, there's professional bodybuilders in terms of being really targeted, professional bodybuilders who have the most developed muscles in the world who will use this just to get that extra few percent. You know, it's a great example of what you're talking about, getting that extra few percent of development out of these muscles, being able to target certain segments and be able to like more precisely shape. And it's, it's based on that neuromuscular re-education, that effect of being able to teach them to more completely contract those parts of their muscles so they can get the load there and get that stimulus, which then of course triggers them to grow during the recovery period. I'm reminded of a therapeutic modality called muscle activation technique. Uh, one of my, one of my friends, I don't, know, I don't remember the guy's name, the originator is based out of Colorado, I think. Um, and basically it's, I recovered from a motorcycle accident, just floating and doing this, which was basically little micro movements to activate little muscles and chains because the, you know, the head bones connect to the neck bone and the neck bone. I mean, so we'd go through like this, this, this series of different little micro resistances to activate and stimulate the different parts of the, of the system to, so that, that you know, for me, it was on my left side, left shoulder, left hip. 
and it's and it and it's sort of analogous, or at least it seems that way, that uh, you are you are entraining the muscle or that system to work more efficiently. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with MAT or if there's a connection there. Am I grasping at straws? Am I or am I kind of like a little bit on the on the right track? I think that you're definitely definitely in the realm here and picking up on some some cool parallels. We have several practitioners that we work with who combine MAT with the, with the newbie device, and the principles are really similar. And even some of the methods. I mean, we'll we'll sometimes do those same style of those isometric exercises, or sometimes use the machine with, with an electric glove and send the current into the same essentially pressure point areas that you would work with MAT. And we have some other ones that, you know, from the different traditions from which we've pulled to develop our methods, um, but there's a ton of overlap. And the, the basic premise of MAT is you do all these muscle tests, you know, you try to test strength and wherever the muscle is weak, that it's not necessarily that, that the muscle is weak, you know, in this line of thinking, it's that the nervous system the brain and nervous system are not sending the signal to turn it on. It's inhibited, not necessarily weak. It's not like the muscle is just flaccid, like, or, you know, it's not like there's been a spinal cord injury unless we're talking about, you know, talking about a spinal cord injury. So by creating this feedback neurologically, by working on pressure points, doing different movements, you can help that person disinhibit or, or take off that governor and use that muscle again. So it can go from weak to strong. You can retest five, 10 minutes later, and it'll be on again. And we'd use, you know, some of those same techniques and, and many others from, from other disciplines and other traditions to achieve those same type of effects. We do muscle testing in, in our sessions and, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of MAT and definitely have several people that, that use it in combination with our technology. It's, I think it's a great system. Yeah. The, the something that just sort of came to mind as you were describing that let's, within that system or within the, the, the actual treatment process you can kind of pinpoint where the action is what needs to be focused on and do the stim re-educate uh but then there are likely other muscles or other systems that are sort of supporting that area that, that have been activated to compensate for that injury or for that that lack of of efficiency so then what do you do with the other things that have also been screwed up because of this misfiring? Is it like, does the, does the, does the actual um, stim pad just move two inches and two inches and two inches to kind of like reorient that entire area? I'm, I'm just sort of curious, like sort of a snowball effect of that. That is, that's a, you know, the million dollar question. And ultimately what we're what we're trying to do is is find as effectively as possible that first domino so that we can work on you know the one or two or three areas where working on those is going to take care of many other problems if these other problems are are downstream effects of these you know one or two first dominoes then by working on these oftentimes those other issues can resolve and you know sometimes you have to work on a first second third fourth and fifth domino Sometimes, sometimes you have other things to do. Sometimes we'll, sometimes we'll, we'll, you know, do the scanning process with somebody, map them out and we'll find, you know, one or two main spots and we work on those and, and everything gets better. Sometimes we'll find 15, we work on the first two and then, you know, four or five other ones go away, but there's still eight or nine others that we need to work on. So there's still, still some of those. And that is, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things I, I think that we don't, we can't necessarily tell going into it, but, but we can tell fairly early on if by working one thing, if we see other far reaching effects resolved, then we know it was that, that kind of first domino, mm -hmm. that more, you know, that more global cause other, or we have to keep going and work locally in many areas. But one, one thing that we've found that's kind of interesting and relevant here is, is when we're doing muscle testing, sometimes we'll find, uh, if we find weaknesses, that's you know kind of a weird pattern. Like there's weaknesses in all four quadrants, like you know both legs, both arms, or, or both hips, both shoulders, and there's you know and it seems kind of inconsistent. Like it might be strong one time, weak. It seems like it might be fatigued, part fatigue induced, or you know it's it's just a little bit of a uh, an odd pattern presentation. Sometimes that can be a more global issue, like like something in their breathing pattern mm. where they just 
you know, it's something metabolic and they just aren't, aren't able to recover quickly enough to fire on all these tests. And we'll do a little bit of work on the diaphragm, do a few minutes of breathing exercises and everything will turn on. So sometimes huh. it's, sometimes it's like one, one domino that of that sort, where it's kind of a, a global thing. That's, that's just this kind of overarching and sabotaging effect, really. That's, that's sabotaging the function of many other things or compromising the function of many other areas of the body. Oh, that's fascinating. I guess that's where, you know, um, practitioner training comes in just to, you know, like, how do you use this thing to its best? How do you know, look for trends, having that experience to know like, Whoa, this, this is, this is weird. And this is weird. And this is weird. Maybe it's just their breath or, you know, maybe it's stress or maybe it's, you know, sleep or whatever these other things. Um, what do, uh, what do the haters say? What do the, uh, what do the people say that they're like, nah, this isn't a thing. No, it's not safe. Like what are, what are some of the critics uh, of this, of this application? Uh, that's a good, that's a good question. I think, I think, you know, a lot, it's one common thing that, that will hear from, from people who are resistant to it is, you know, if it were that great, my doctor would already have it or, or, you know, I would have, <laughs> would have seen it before or stuff like that. Sure. Uh, you know, that's one. And then another one is like, oh, I, you know, you're just contracting muscles. I can do that on my own or this or that. Um, I don't, you know, I don't need this. I, you know, working out is fine. Exercising is fine. And, and, you know, for some people it isn't, if people are getting the results that they, that they desire, that's great. You know, this is, you know, for people who, who are frustrated in their, in their rehab or fitness journeys and the people who feel like, you know, like they're pushing a boulder uphill, like they get a step and then it comes right back down on them and they can't accumulate any progress. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are fighting an uphill battle when they don't need to be. And, and mm. they're, they're not getting, because of that, they're not getting the results from their, from their, their physical therapy or, you know, other rehabilitation or their fitness sessions. And, uh, you know, for people who are in that type of situation, technology like this often is helpful, but, uh, you know, people, people say all sorts of things and, um, you know, people are resistant to change and, and new things coming on. And, um, some people are resistant to technology. Some people say like, Oh, I just want to, I just need to work it with my hands on people. You know, some physical therapists mm. will say like, I just need to get, get my hands on them. And manual therapy is great. We, we, there's certain types of manual therapy that we, that we teach that we recommend be used in conjunction with this. And we just want to make the whole, the whole rehabilitation experience better and more effective so that we've seen that the two can be combined they're not mutually exclusive they're mutually supportive hmm. yeah yeah i there, yeah there's always going to be haters i love that one well if this is if this was worth a damn i'd have known about it well you know and that that that's pretty limiting and and we've we've sort of broached into that topic here on this podcast before is you know especially with biohacking devices it's like the, the same people uh, who are looking for an edge, looking for new tech, looking for new paradigms of, of, of performance, you know, they're, they're open to it. They're, they have open minds, but for some other folks who are maybe a little more stuck in their ways that, yeah, that's often the first thing that they'll say is like, oh, well, this, this, if this was meaningful, if this worked, then this would be everywhere and everyone would be using this thing. And that's just, that just, that logically just doesn't make, <laughs> doesn't make just because you don't know about it doesn't mean it's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, another one, another one that's on that same topic is, well, you know, show me the research or stuff like that. And that, that I certainly understand for people who come from a more medical or scientific background and are used to reading journal articles and things like that. And and for, for those people, you know, thankfully we'll, we'll say, well, we have several, you know, we have a couple of studies already complete. We have several more in the works. Here's what we're working on. And so a lot of times that's, that's helpful, but there are sometimes people who want to wait to try anything until there's 50 articles talking about its application in this exact circumstance. And, you know, as a small company, we, we can't take on all of those, you know, studies, but we have some going on with, you know, looking at people recovering after uh, surgery and seeing the rate at which they're reaching their recovery milestones and looking at people restoring function that they've lost because of MS or stroke and neuropathy and looking at measuring changes in the nervous system and looking at the effects on the autonomic nervous system, heart rate variability. So there's, you know, there are some meaningful studies being done and 
that's something we can point to, but that is another, another common one. And that I, you know, I get people, especially for, for people who come from that medical training and are, are, are trained to follow evidence-based practice. And, you know, that we, you know, we want to meet people where they are and be able to provide that for them when they can. Um, yeah. but just, you know, that's another common one. So I figured I'd add that in too. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll point to the studies in the show notes. You can go, you can go look at the show notes and, and see some of these, the examples uh, for those of you who are listening. So um, what other, what other biohacking gear? Uh, you know, I see the, I see the, the red light panel draped on the back of the door. You know, I'm kind of snooping around behind <laughs> you, see what else I can see back there. Um, what other uh, biohacking tech devices, practices do you like and or are complementary to uh, to the newbie? Uh, that's a that's a good question. I definitely like others. Yes, I do have my my red light panel, so I, I really like that. I turn it on every morning. I get up, you know, an hour or two before the kids are awake, and I turn it on. So just to try to reset my circadian rhythm, I'll stand next to it and. You know, sometimes I'll read something. Sometimes I'll, you know, start working on a little something on my phone. Sometimes I'll stand there and do some breathing and mobility. Sometimes I'll stand there and put the newbie on and just stack them together. You know. Yeah. Um, but I like I really like doing that in the morning. You know, there's, there's so many health benefits, proven, documented health benefits of, of red and infrared light, and I really also like doing it in the morning to to just keep established a healthy circadian rhythm, so that my brain realizes, okay, it's time to wake up. And I, I just, you know, helped me. That's part of how I've been able to maintain that ritual of getting up early without an alarm and, you know, be up 5, 5 a.m. or, you know, some days 5.30, 6, but it, just to be able to get that uninterrupted time in in the morning before everyone else wakes up. And, uh, you know, that's the time I used to write my book for, you know, over the, over the years. So um, I really like that. And then I also, I really like cold exposure. So we're in, we're in Austin. So it's not, you know, uh, we have a the little, little pool in the backyard and just able, just able to do that, you know, from November through March, I can go, <laughs> go in the water. It's when it's, you know, anywhere between 40 and 50 degrees. So the water is just getting down to the low fifties now. Um, so I like to go in there really like cold exposure. Um, those are my main two other ones, cold and cold and red and infrared. We have an infrared sauna out in the garage too. Yeah. So, Along Me too. The same, same vein there. Really like that. Yeah, absolutely. No, no other biochargers or. And, you know, the, uh, the biocharger, I, I, I'm, I like that. I'm a big believer in the power of frequencies and have done some fairly detailed and deep research into how certain frequencies can resonate with certain tissues in the body. And that's something that we actually use with our device, with the, with the electricity is actually applying that at different frequencies in order to, to preferentially send that energy into certain areas and certain tissues of the body. So I'm a, a big fan of that type of work. Uh, I don't, don't have a biocharger, but it looks cool and you might, yeah. have, might have to get one of those. Yeah, um, and cool. then in that same realm is the amp coil, which uh, yeah. is a, uh, so I've used that and like that. And that is a uh, similar type of, type of uh, similar type of effect on the body and that it's providing this uh, magnetic field that's oscillating at certain frequencies uh, different you know instead of the big box on the on the table it's a like a little coil looks like a PEMF coil mm -hmm. um, and you can hold it over your chest or over your abdomen or over a joint that needs healing but I really like that so give give that one a plug when we're talking about frequencies and such too. It's really cool. What's the big vision for, for the newbie? Should it be in every PT clinic, clinic, every doctor's office, every hospital, every university and sports arena? I mean, like, is it, what's, what's the big vision? I, well, you touched on most of the elements of it there. I think any, any practitioner who's working with, with pain, movement, dysfunction, recovery from surgery, helping people restore function that they lost because of stroke or other brain injury, spinal cord injury, or neurological diseases or impairments. So physical therapy, chiropractic, sports medicine, athletic training, um, and then, you know, the more neurological based as well as orthopedic based all, all across the board. Um, and then, yeah, you know, strength and conditioning, athletic performance, it's a, it's a medical device. So, you know, there's some, some medical oversight, of course, but um, all those areas and, you know, one, one thing that 
we've, we're, we're one area where we've seen some, some really cool successes. There's about 14 or 15 at the time we're speaking today, professional teams, professional sports teams across the major sports leagues here in the U S that are using the device and, you know, several players and, and different elite level performers like that as well. And six or seven colleges, and universities. So yeah, getting, getting into helping to spread the word to, to all of those areas, you know, there's, there's many that are using it so far, but it's only a drop in the bucket of the impact that, that it can possibly have. And, and that's really our, our goal and our mission is to, to spread the word about what this can do. And you know, I'm grateful to, to be talking to you here and, and talking to everyone, you know, to everyone who's listening here. And that's our, our goal is to spread the word so that we can help more people get back to what they love and create more of these really transformative outcomes. I want to go back to the neurological application of this because that's one thing that that I that we didn't talk about. Just give me an example of uh, the application uh, for a neurological disorder. Yeah, so one one story actually the the story the first story that I start with opening up uh, my book is a story about a woman who had been paralyzed for twenty five years. So when she was in her early twenties, she fell off a horse. She got kicked off a horse broke her neck and was paralyzed from the waist down. And, and she came to see us in her early, in her late forties. So literally 25 years later, when everyone had written off the possibility that she might ever regain any function or make any, any progress in her recovery. So she, you know, she had made a little bit of progress in the first year or two, but never enough to actually move her, her legs. And she had adapted to life in a wheelchair and she is a wonderful person you know, had a very great, positive and productive life and just had adapted to, to being in a wheelchair. Nevertheless, she, when she heard about what we were doing, she was intrigued. And so she came in to see us here in Austin. And in our, in our first session with her, we got her able to, to wiggle some toes for the first time in, in 25 years. Wow. And she had a reduction in, in the, the tension around her legs to where she could actually, when she was lying down in bed, she could actually, with the support of her hands, she could actually lift her leg up where it had just been kind of stuck down. Oh, was, wow. She was actually able to able to lift it up. So it was this really interesting, you know, really, really interesting experience of being able to see a little bit of change right away in something that had been the same, you know, for 25 years. And then, you know, that of course motivated her to, to want to continue on. And with her then, it became a question of, okay, how can we drive neuroplastic changes? How can we, can we harness the power of neuroplasticity to help her regain some function in her legs? Is it, you know, if it's possible at all, it's going to take a lot of input to trigger her body to create those adaptations. Mm-hmm. And, and so we started, started working with her, providing this stimulation in the beginning. It was just her seated or lying down. And then we started working on working through the progress through the process of learning to walk like if a if a, a small child is learning to walk it's you know it's rolling and then crawling and then walking and so we actually went through that with her worked on rolling and then crawling and then standing with hand support walking with a walker and all the all the while using the machine to send these large amounts of input to drive those changes because in order to create neurological change you need hundreds of thousands of repetitions. And, you know, when she can't move her legs, it's like, she can't even get one repetition, let alone mm. hundreds of thousands. So, so we're sending this barrage of input, creating all that input as if she's doing hundreds and hundreds of repetitions within each segment of the workout there and helping her reach that critical threshold, just reach it a lot faster. And, you know, she ended up um, in the, in the, in the book, tell this, this amazing story where I wasn't there, but I got to see the video. She set this up where her family, she was meeting her family at a restaurant over the holidays and several had come in from out of town, hadn't seen her in a year or two. And uh, she had a range where everyone was there. And, and then she walked in on a walker and the people in her family are looking like, what are like, I can't believe my eyes and they're screaming and they're crying. And, you know, it was just this incredible thing. So to see her, to see her accomplish that. And uh, you know, so there's some really, really cool, and I think that's a really cool example of it. And I, I cannot emphasize enough, and I want to make sure I do not shortchange the work that she put in. You know, she came in 
and she worked hard and and you know was st- getting the stimulation on the machine combined with movements for an hour to an hour and a half three days a week consistently for between a year and a half and two years in order to wow. achieve that where she was able to to you know walk on a walker and get in there and that was that was right about a year and a half mark i think when that happened and uh the so so it still takes effort it's not like the machine just just yeah. does it all and you snap your fingers and it's this magic trick but it does allow her and it did allow her and it does allow others to actually to get more bang for the buck to actually get some more tangible progress for that time and effort than than more traditional methods wow what a story i don't think i've ever heard anything like that in my life I mean, paralyzed from the waist down for 20 years, 20 plus years, and then being able to turn that around and cruise into dinner on a walker. We, uh, there's a, there's actually, there's a cool video, uh, five or six minute video of her. Maybe we can, I'll send you the link. We put it in the, in the notes. If anyone wants to check that out, yeah. it's like, a, uh, it's just on our YouTube channel. Wow. That's incredible, man. I'm so glad that we, I'm so glad that we waited to get, get to that. Cause that's, that's astounding. I mean, that, that, uh, I mean, that's like miracle kind of status, you know, at that, at that point, that's, that's, that's pretty incredible. Wow. Well, um, where can people learn more? Where can they find, where, where, where can they can find a device close to them? You know, if they want to purchase one if, uh, for a clinic, you know, we have a number of, of physical therapists and, uh, and nurses who are listeners. So they, I'm sure that they would be interested in it. Where, where should we direct people to go? So if you are interested, please, I invite you to check out our website. It's www.new.fit, N-E-U, like neurological, new.fit. And there's a, there's a link at the top. There's a, uh, a section you can check for providers if you're interested in learning more about clinical applications. And there's a link for patients as well. And um, f- if you click on for patients, there's a directory of, of the practices that have these, mostly in the U.S., but you know, some in other countries as well. And uh, you can find, find this. So if you want to try it out, you know, we invite you to reach out to practitioners in your area as well. And, uh, you know, have seen uh, really cool outcomes like, like Amy's here and, you know, the, the woman with this spinal cord injury and, you know, everything, you know, people just getting over little aches and pains and everything in between. So, yeah, definitely, if you're, if you're listening to this and either want to help people with those types of things or, are dealing with your own challenges. I, you know, I definitely would encourage you to check it out. And then uh, on social media, we're most active on Instagram. It's at newfitrfp for rehab fitness performance. And because someone already had the new fit <laughs> several years ago when we were starting. Um, and then um, I would, uh, if, if anyone wants a, a deeper dive, I would uh, invite you to check out my book, The New Fit Method there. Uh, so if you go on, on it's on Amazon, uh, you can go to our, our website, new.fit slash book and find a link or just go on Amazon and type the new fit method. Awesome. Super cool. Uh, the, the last question uh, is a fill in the blank question. Uh, and if you've listened to any episodes all the way through, you'll know what this question is, but if you don't, that's okay. Uh, and this can be, this can be based on, you know, specifically uh, uh, new fit or, or, or specifically the newbie, but elaborate as much or as little as you'd like, but please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing. Such a good question. Everyone would benefit from knowing that I would pick up on the theme that we were talking about here, benefit from knowing that in many instances, in many circumstances in life, our limitations are really self-imposed, whether it be movement and range of motion or strength, or whether it be something else that we're trying to do in relationships or in business. And having the right coaching, having the right strategies, having the courage to work through that, whether it's a, whether it's a character trait or whether it's a, a physical habit, you know, I think is, is a message that I, you know, I hope is very empowering to people. And I, I, you know, definitely i hope it hope it inspires some thought it's something that you know the message that is as much for me as it is for as it is for anyone listening that's nice i like that yeah that's uh, i i like that a lot I, I believe that to be true 
Well, this has been uh, this is fascinating. Um, I'm going to share I'm going to share this with a couple of with a couple of friends immediately, uh, and uh, and I hope that everyone listening uh, just got just got updated on some pretty cool tech that's out there that that um, that really could be something really effective for them. So, Garrett, thank you for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thank you, Sean. It's been a pleasure.